1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: everybody welcome to the what culture gaming podcast i'm your host scott tailford joined by ash milman
3: hello and
2: john by rachel shackleton
3: greetings friends
2: holding down the fort because everyone else has gone home for christmas now it's only the three of us will also be joining you on christmas day so come back then as well oh. um, but for now we're going to shake things up and talk about all things horror related and <laughs> um, because we occasionally keep talking about horror games and stuff in the office and we thought well why not dedicate a podcast to the very idea of horror in games and um, kind of the history of it and how effective the you know the gaming as a medium is at conveying horror because ash comes down on the side of Phil. Is better than gaming, yes. or at least you're passing that out, mm-hmm. and I'm going to support the fact that gaming is better. Rachel's kind of in the middle.
4: I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more for gaming, but I do mm-hmm. love horror films mm-hmm. as well.
2: Okay, so let's start out with our earliest horror memories in gaming. Mine is the archetypal Resident Evil door through the window. Yeah, because um, that was the first time that I grabbed a friend and screamed. But how about you guys?
4: I didn't prepare. I never had Resident Evil. Okay. My first What's your gut
2: reaction to a scary thing for young
4: Um, It would probably be playing Majora's Mask. And that's not even a horror game.
2: I would totally back that, though. That moon is terrifying. Scary. (laughs) The general tone is terrifying, in that thing.
4: I I can't
3: remember the name now. It was like this... uh, I think it was Rome or Mm. 300 or something on the PlayStation 2. Okay. I think it was 300. And uh, you go and find all those people, like, stapled to a tree. And that absolutely... <laughs> oh I hated it it was so, so scary do you mean the, the
2: PSP the movie tie-in game
3: yeah it was like yeah, it was that PS2. was on PSP no it was PS2 it was okay a, it was a PS2 game
2: yeah, I had the PSP on me, either way. And there was a
3: PS2 game. Yes. I, I, oh, I think, I'm pretty sure it was the 300 one, and there's that tree of people and are all stapled to it, and it just <laughs> literally, it screwed me up so much. And all the violence and gore in it. I was a young, impressionable, and sensitive child, and that, <laughs> that game really got me. Like. Was it just
2: the sheer visuals of it for both of you? Was it just like the general yeah. look of it going like, well, that's not something I've seen before, and that's kind of why it worked?
4: Definitely mm-hmm. being a young girl playing Majora's Mask, it was the impending sense of dread. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the scariest bit. It's not knowing what's going to happen, which I think is the basis Mm -hmm. of horror, Mm -hmm. is mystery. And it's like, what happens when this time runs out? And then, and then mm-hmm. like, it's almost like finding out isn't as scary as worrying about what it's yeah. going to be, mm-hmm. right? So th- this is a,
2: yeah. a, a perfect segue into the... Yeah, like,
4: sorry. <laughs> no, no, this
3: is perfect. This
2: is the pros and cons of what if different mediums bring to horror in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think one of the biggest... For me, if I was going to support the Majora's Mask side of it, I love, like, the, the tone of that game is creepy and weird and macabre. And, like, that's because you're living in it. You have agency yeah. within that world. And that's what draws you into it more. And so my opening gambit would be, in terms of why gaming does horror better, is that you always have agency in that mm-hmm. world. It's always, you're the one pushing the creaky door open. You're the one that's stuck in the dark room with the thing. And you're the one that has to, like, you know, (laughs) deal with whatever it is. And so that is, for me, that's unbeatable. Um, But that's, you know, in terms of, like, cinematography and how those scenes come together, film can do those things way more
3: Inherently, very inherently to horror and fear itself, the whole point of horror and fear as two separate things, but also as two things together, is the unknown. Gaming, Mm -hmm. gaming cannot play on the unknown as well as film can because of the lack of permadeath, which is something gone through in Joseph Anderson's video essay very well.
2: do love Joseph Anderson as well, quick shout-out. Yeah,
3: he's done a fantastic video on that, and I agree with it in that uh, when you play a game, when you first play a game, inherently scarier than a film because Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. of the immersion within a game and all the different things, all the atmosphere it can build you in, you're right in there at the heart of all the things that are actually scary. Mm -hmm. As soon as you die, as soon as something bad happens, as soon as you see the monster and what you're up against... That is void and then it becomes an exercise in a thriller game or an exciting sort of spin on a a normal action
4: or suspense game Mm -hmm. that isn't inherently scary, that doesn't give you fear. In the same way as Im- a horror film, immediately would. all I can think of here is Amnesia the Dark Descent. Yes, yeah, immediately that is that is so true of that game because the f- you don't actually see any baddies mm-hmm. per se until about two hours into the game, mm-hmm. but you are on edge the entire time. Yeah. So, I
2: was going to say to because that's very true, like it's mm-hmm. very hard for a game because you, you couldn't, you fundamentally couldn't have permadeath permanently. Well, in yeah, that would be games.
0: a bit,
2: <laughs> but a lot of games have tackled that idea. I mean, obviously, Souls kind of play, plays off that quite a lot in terms of I'm not in, in a horror sense, mm-hmm. but games Souls have started. Is
4: very not perma death, no, But a very, very in terms multi-death. of like yeah.
2: using death as a mechanic, I mean, but <laughs> oh, I like because I, see I was going to mention um, eternal darkness, uh, sanity's requiem, or whatever ways of doing doing enemies that don't need to kill you, but it's still the the horror, like the effect of it, because yeah, your character is slowly that's going insane.
4: Fourth wall break. Yeah, yeah. And the, the more
2: game, you yeah. see enemies, like the more you expose yourself to them, the more your character goes crazy. The yeah. harder it is to play, and the more you get visual hallucinations on screen.
3: That is a really good way of going around the unknown factor. Where if you go, if you do see them, then you lose your mind or mm-hmm. whatever. Within yeah. these games, sanity meters are a really good way of doing it. I definitely. Yeah, isn't really
2: living with the horror more scary
4: oh it is Ooh. like living with the Ash Milman Right. <laughs> <laughs> no the one thing I will say
3: about Dark Souls as well it is, it is a horror game there yeah. is scary part well it's not like a, a horror game but it is a game with horror visuals oh mm-hmm. definitely it's a very oh, eldritch Lovecraftian sort of like more
4: so I would say Bloodborne mm-hmm. I would
3: say definitely Bloodborne. yeah I guess that's my main experience these are yeah, yeah. Soulsborne stuff um, but I think that also has a very good way of getting around the death thing by having it as um, you are dead and you come back and mm. you go to the bonfires. It's a way of life. Mm. Yeah. And then you, you going through it is inherent to that game. But then again, we've also just said it isn't a horror No, game. if we
2: stick to specific horrors, it, that's a really good point, though, well, because like you know the, yeah. the finality of death that we get in cinema, characters do die off and then yeah. they're done. Like That is just way harder to do on a medium-based level.
4: Didn't um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice have a permadeath it, um, um, initially? It
2: advertised itself as having that, but then yeah. people um, tested it and it wasn't true. Ah, but that, that was... That still worked the first time through. And if you guys have either, have you guys played Hellblade?
4: Not yet. Okay, so I will. that thing
2: <laughs> is all about um, the idea of uh, Senua herself succumbing to psychosis, and mm-hmm. like, kind of, like she kind of gets lost in her own mind. And that's that's pretty much what all the different levels are. There, yeah. The permutations of her worry about what happened to her uh, tribe. But the way that they do that, yeah, they advertise the fact that hey, there's a permadeath mode in mm-hmm. this. If you completely lose yourself, because basically when you die, quote unquote, in that yeah. game, she just loses herself more of the darkness. She doesn't really die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that game, they said, hey, if this goes all the way, then you are You'll be done, the game will be over. So they tried to do the thing that you're getting to. Um, but I don't know who eventually pushed back against that on the creative side, but it's not in the game. If you you yeah. there is no way to send to have a permanent death. Um, I'd be really curious if a, a developer ever did do that. Yeah. Because um, I remember Hideo Kojima talking about that in I think it was the production uh, stuff for Metal Gear Solid 2, um, where he initially had this whole idea that if you died, your save would be deleted and <laughs> the, the disc would burn and it would all fall apart. What? And like because it's Kojima. That's and it scary. Was, yeah, well, he had this whole thing where he was like. I want to reinforce the idea that life matters in this game and if you mm. don't, don't get through then your copy is burned forever yeah. and obviously like people in charge of the marketing were like that's terrible but <laughs> Burn then, that disc. <laughs> But yeah but there's ways to do it I, I'm sure there's other indie developers and people can let us know and stuff however they get in touch mm. with us um, that I'm sure there are different indie horrors that have played with that idea that have deleted your yeah. save um, and things like that
3: I think deleting the save maybe maybe is a step too far. That's like,
2: your answer to permadeath, though.
3: My answer to permadeath is, well, yeah, technically, yeah. But you get it
4: in roguelike and, like, mm. Binding of Isaac yes. and all that
3: sort <laughs> of, of, of course. thing as well. Yeah,
4: the way video games handle the, the permadeath mechanic is, like, it actually encourages you to try again. Like, mm-hmm. it encourages you... To encourages you to keep trying rather yeah. than actually it being a finite ending like yeah. a film would have. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um like the craft itself because um, we're all film nerds. More game nerds, ish, um, but different. also film nerds. Um, and so growing up with with horror film and like I did a couple of years studying horror just at A level. It's nothing fancy. Ah. Yes, film studies all the way through high school. And so when I, you know, you sort of start applying these weird like academic ways of breaking down film, I always find that horror is the most predictable genre. And so like for oh. me, Ooh. Ooh. well, I know Ooh. Have you finished the whole <laughs> <laughs> because recently we've got a lot of innovative horrors like Hereditary or Quiet Place and we've yeah. seen different they like get out as well which i adore um but for the vast majority you talk about mainstream horrors yeah. or the ones that draw the biggest crowds the,
4: the clichés
3: yeah the, the something
2: tropes, like yeah. It or Ooh. um or, uh, the return of um Halloween
3: my Jimmy's a rustled right ha- that's fine
2: you you rustle all you want and so for me the, that whole genre feels incredibly predictable because i always know the volume spike jump scare mm. is coming and i always know the way that it's going to go Nelly a lot of the, the same camera angles get reused mm-hmm. yeah. It's very yeah. rare that you get an in camera jump scare which why Hereditary for me worked so much better, and same with Get Out. What film. The very what concept film. of Get very Out was, was horrifying and brilliant mm. and kind of genius. Um, and so, if we're going to talk about what the different mediums bring to the craft of horror, yes. then um, for me, film has become almost entirely predictable, whereas that's not the case in gaming.
3: Ooh, I think You're right. I think you're watching the wrong films, Scott. Yeah, watch all the films. A level film studies, I've raised it a degree. <laughs> there we go. No, but um, I think with, with horror, there is a foundation of the genre yes. mainstream horror, um, trash, binge, popcorn movies movie horror that is built on tropes, cliches, conventions, because you know what you get from yes. a horror film. And Almost that's, humor. Mm, that's mm-hmm. the whole point of genres is you mm-hmm. know what you're gonna get. Horror, in comparison to every other genre out there, is the most experimental and exciting of sort of films you can watch. Like, they're the sort of films that um, champion found footage and play with different expectations and representations. And if you Mm. look at something like Mandy, where it's all everyone losing their mind and it's all neon colours. I hate Mandy. You might hate Mandy, but (laughs) But it's experimentation at its finest. And it's, it's very... It's a visceral, primal thing that it taps into. I'm I'm very passionate about horror. I'm very passionate about film as well. You should be. But I I think that it's an absolute sweeping statement to say that um, horror as a whole... As a film is predictable, I said
2: are. I find that. So I think like you're <laughs> you're, you're obviously you're obviously correct. Like obviously there's, but the thing is that <clears throat> the things that those movies are experimenting with. Something like Mandy, like it's color palette is very experimental, yeah. it's very psychedelic. Um, I wouldn't really class Mandy as a horror, although its tone it's can be horrifying,
3: psychological horror. Would you yeah, call Get yeah. Out a horror? horror? But for the yeah. sake of
2: like talking yeah. about the, but that's the thing. If we're going to champion film as like horror films as doing something like bringing you in, establishing a tone, establishing an atmosphere, I think games do that so much better because of the fact that. You're literally the one in there. Mm. Like, if Mandy was a playable game, then you'd be lost in that world if it was in VR or something. Yeah. Um, then, so my argument would be that you can take everything film can do and make it controllable and that that's better.
4: And that is right. That is right. Thank Great. you. Great. 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 I, <laughs> I was going to segue. I want to do it. segue. Scott do mentioned segue. VR. Yes. In my opinion, best horror game of the generation Ooh. Resident Evil 7 VR. Ooh. Good shout because it's literally
2: you exploring the house Not or being is, stuck in the like, house.
4: Yeah, exactly. Not only is it literally you as a person controlling you, it's you. You're in there, that is terrifying. (laughs) Um, The thing is with Resi 7 as well is like, obviously it's, um, I feel like it's got a lot of, obviously predictable jump scares, but Mm -hmm. it has a lot of things that did surprise me as well. Like Mm -hmm. for example, if you've played it when Jack comes through the wall, mostly because I think he teleports and it's unfair, (laughs) but but that kind of thing where it's like, it's not predictable. And I think predictability is, um, sorry, like being unpredictable mm, is yes. what makes a game scary yeah, I, yeah. I think um Resident Evil for I prime example. Mm.
3: When it first came out, innovative because you had like and the, the dog jump scare. But then the first was, one. Yeah, yeah. all those things become inherent to its own genre and its functions and then you could argue that it is predictable because you know you're gonna get those jump scares. You mm. know what sort of tone you're gonna uh, get. Ah okay. So but, but like that that's a that's a formation of the genre. That doesn't mean it stops it from being being experimentational. Mm. Mm-hmm. Experimentational as you have uh, <laughs> that's a good word. as you have <laughs> rightly <laughs> pointed out. Yes. And when I say it is right, it is right when you're at the center of these games or at the center of exploring all these different facets of horror that you are then completely completely immersed in and you are the character but as soon as you enter a game and, and become this person and have this really heightened sense of horror as soon as you die that all goes away because you're experiencing it mm-hmm. again To they get to the same point like playing Outlast for example it's very scary it's very first person it's very intense <sighs> think, as soon as yeah. William whatever his name is yep. Big old Willy comes and Boshes you on. You're like, well, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Do you know?
2: But uh, see, that's interesting because I felt that in Amnesia uh, Machine for Pigs. Yeah, you because, spoke at the
3: pig boil. Yeah, 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 because
2: well, that was such a great setup. And like the pig in that I thought was terrifying. Oh, this idea of like. so
4: flat.
3: Yeah, it? yeah, when you see it, oh. it's
2: terrible. But the setup of this like half human, half pig breed mm. thing, and you don't know what it is, and you're reading all these notes from the, this different scientists and investigatory like bodies that have looked into this phenomenon, and you're there walking through the cobbled streets, and like, yeah. am I going to find it? The unknown. Yeah, bumps in the night, and you see unknown. a door shut. Shaking, it's like something's mm-hmm. on the other side of that door. When you finally come across the pay pig thing, it looks terrible and it yeah. animates terribly, and that game just fell the hell apart for me. But I think that there's something like that factors into horror um, as well, which is the challenge of, of overcoming something. And so just yeah, because you so. died, like, it is true that sometimes multiple, like, because it's like takes in a movie. Mm. Sometimes I feel that like in like some big set piece games where it's like, un- Uncharted, I messed mm. up the set piece. I'm like, okay, I just messed up the take. Can we go again? Yeah. And like, it just feels like I, I messed up the thing that I was supposed mm. to be doing. Um, but I think that that challenge or that like formidable opponent can itself be scary. Mm. And just you die, because you die, it died, because you died to it, it's like, yeah. oh, god, it's going to get me again. And that's a thing.
3: I think, I th- Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do. T- the thing is, I do totally agree with gaming being scary and immersive as a thing, and I agree that film is as well. For me, mm-hmm. film is just that step above because you get the unknown the whole way through. Like, y- yes, predictability also in games, mm-hmm. but uh, as a gen- in general, when you watch a film, you don't know what's going to happen, and that's why you're w- watching. Cause you're, oh my god, I keep stuttering. No, it's um, Because you're invested in a story and a narrative, and it is the story and the narrative of games that makes them that makes them horror games mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. exciting part and with films you get that distilled to an impressive crafted um unpredictable unknown thing mm-hmm. which is what makes it scary and then you look at other games and I, you you know what's going to happen if you keep dying and you have to keep doing these things that's the main sticking point for me mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. i also
1: Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed.
3: Keep on talking. I also um, want to draw attention to games like The Evil Within and Silent Hill.
2: Yeah, I was going to mention Evil Within Because...
3: They are fantastic, fantastic psychological representations of what horror can be yes. in mishmash bodies and violent uh, sort of expositions and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's their, their perfect sort of horror games from their psychological in-depth dive and you get that level of weirdness in games mm. that maybe you don't always see in films. But you, then you don't get a lot of games like Silent Hill and Evil Within. I here. think
2: um, to quickly speak to Evil Within, because um, that game's obviously, you know, it came from uh, Shinji Mikami, and he just, I think it's Shinji Mikami, just mm-hmm. carried forward that idea that Res, Resident Evil in the later games was like, here, there's this big mutated thing, and it's got an eye on its shoulder, and no. isn't that scary? <laughs> and it was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the Evil Within 2 did open world horror, which mm-hmm. we'd See, never seen, which I love.
4: I love how different Evil Within and Evil Within 2 are. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they're both, like, someone asked me when I was playing through the second one, like, Do, is this better than the first one? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really answer that that I
2: would say they're both oh, so different
4: <laughs> they're both so different like one I want to say is almost more like a film mm-hmm. in that um, a film has a controlled environment mm. where there are specific cues where it will you yep. know, scare yeah. you or well, this will happen whereas two I, there were whole areas that I missed out that had big scares in mm. them that I missed mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time I made my own story I made my own horror story in 2 mm. I just think it's amazing how mm-hmm. different they are they're that's such perfect. good games mm-hmm.
2: yeah but I kind of think that's it like that was one of the things where um, if we're talking about predictability and innovation mm. within horror um, something like The Evil Within 2 basically gives you this massive play space which is kind of Silent Hill inspired-ish you've got a big yeah. old town that you're moving through but it's very dank and dark and misty <laughs> and it's you're immediately like I'm in a horror game yeah. but the way that they set their jump scares up or the way that they set up their set pieces are just they're inside different houses that you may or may not go into mm. So the atmosphere. <laughs> itself yeah. is quite scary but then you have that weird thing of like I'm exploring and I came across something and all of a sudden I'm trapped mm. here and I can't get out and then yeah. you, you experience like a set piece scare um, but the, the sheer fact that you're finding them in an open world environment mm. um, it, like I guess I would say it plays into my side of the whole agency yeah. being more rewarding kind of thing um, but I mean it depends like how it's done I guess because I don't know I mean would you say like in terms of recent horror films that most of the ones that you see recently do seem to do things that you haven't seen before?
3: I think this year has been a definite year of innovation again with heredity. Mm. Um, games like Revenge that completely sweep, Swip?
2: sweep, swept it all away, mate.
3: Uh, sweep the change I'm trying to say change I don't we'll keep saying sweep sweep uh-huh. sweep uh-huh. <laughs> they completely really change the point of view from um, there's a whole thing in film called The Male Gaze which is yes. how uh, shots are set up um, and how you, you're inherently put in a masculine point of view to watch things which is a load of uh, gender politics which we don't need to go into right now uh-huh. but Revenge um, is a horror film that's a like assault revenge sort of film uh-huh. and then flips it from the female point of view okay. and it's all how a woman would look at things and it's male bodies and all this sort of thing instead which I think is really really interesting the idea
2: of gendered cinematography is is so fascinating mm, but I, I that's a way that. wider it's conversation it's really
3: good it's really worth watching and uh, films like Possum mm. which is a art house horror film about a man with a puppet um, <laughs> and uh, the puppet is this
2: not the Mel Gibson one because he did a he did a movie called like Beaver and it's like him with a puppet, <laughs> no, but also carry on.
3: But like uh, it's it's got this, this doll's head like uh-huh. this screaming doll's head attached to eight spiders legs. Uh! It's, it's horrible, and the That's whole... it, that
2: thing that Sid makes Toy in Toy Story. Story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
3: my god, it is! It's literally uh. that. It's literally that. But it's, it's <laughs> disgusting, like this thing, and the whole thing. Oh, is... I know
2: what it is. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, okay. but
3: the whole thing. Josh sent us a yeah, picture yeah, of the the yeah. poster. Yeah, um, it is a completely about feeling you don't know what's going on mm-hmm. for most of the film which is art house film anyway you don't know what's going on at any given point but um, the feeling that that evokes and just watching like weird scenes of the seaside play out and him look very upset whilst holding his leather bag that's what you're supposed to draw um, emotion from mm-hmm. which is getting sidetracked from the point of gaming in films but they're just yes, points it's of relevant yeah not necessarily
2: because it's it's the whole passive versus active participant thing like is, yes. is horror fundamentally scarier when you're subjected to it and you can't do anything about it mm. or you're the one who can affect it you can turn around and run the other way and um, like, it's much yeah. easier It's easier
4: in games, I think, to to almost take yourself out of it, which Mm -hmm. is interesting because if you have a scary part like in, for example, Amnesia, Mm -hmm. you could just like lock yourself in a wardrobe or pause it. (laughs) (laughs) You you can pause it. Not now. Um, um, Also, like I've seen playthroughs where someone's playing a scary game like Outlast Mm. and they're just making their character jump. Just right, jump right. over yeah. and over again, and it mm-hmm. takes me out of it. And I'm like, "How are you finding this?
2: Like, yeah. so not scary
4: that you're." So you have that option if you're getting a little bit too scared. You yeah. can sort of almost take yourself out of it.
2: That's yeah. one of um, like
4: breaks horror conventions.
3: Yes,
2: gonna... but oh god, I that's there's one of the there's so
4: much in this.
3: That, <laughs> that was one of the
2: biggest things that was one of the biggest annoying things back in 2013 when uh, Roger Ebert said the games couldn't be art because the player fundamentally oh. authors their experience mm. and that they can break certain things and change certain things. And I did a whole dissertation on this <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> it's not true. Like, yes, you can author your own. Experience, Experiences, but you're within specific confines. Yes. Like the coders have still made that yeah. game in a certain way. You can't. You, my example was you can't make Nathan Drake fly just because you want to. Mm. Like you know you have you still have to live by the rules that they've coded. Yeah. I and would, so yeah, people can mess around.
4: Yeah, I would absolutely um, but, yeah. say something like PT is it, that <clears throat> was a work of art. Like that was yeah. that was amazing. yeah yeah.
2: And for the sake of throwing for having a little bit of a left turn, uh, cool. you wanted to talk about uh, moments in games that you found scary that weren't supposed to be scary. Oh,
4: cool. Yes. Are uh, there so um, any
2: particular examples? This, you want this to throw
4: fascinates in? me. Yeah, mm. totally. So I guess like I mean I started with Majora's Mask. Like that's a Nintendo game. That's <laughs> a, that's
2: a, it's a uh, Zelda game. It's very guidance It's very side side um. story.
4: Right, so I, I, I haven't prepared. So, scary huh. moments in games that... Um, I mean, I found playing... <laughs> I found playing Oblivion in first-person scary.
3: It uh, um, really
4: can be. The, Daed- the Daedric Plains
3: oh, okay, and all right. that sort
4: of thing. That got me as I well. Was, I'm scared of everything, though, yeah. guys. Like, honestly.
3: So,
2: I would throw uh, in uh, <laughs> in Occam Night. There's a bit where uh, where the man bat first appears. Um, where oh, you oh, just
4: this, this is the thing go that we have to bring to
3: this when we po- point out these specific scary moments. I'm writing the microphone. Do when it, we point out these specific... Scary moments in games—they are borrowing from film to make yes. them scary. And you're talking about a cutscene, which is inherently a film well, that's thing. That's gameplay, but yeah, that's a film yeah. thing. I'm thinking of the thing where he's like a, the gargoyle on top of the he just Yeah, you just through the well. city,
2: and you go up one of the ledges, then he's yeah, there yeah, right yeah, on yeah. the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not inherently a bad thing, though. I mean, the
3: no, but it points out my point of film being a passive and frightening experience because of it, whereas it's not the immersive immersiveness of the game that is so much scaring you there, it is watching it play out and having no control over uh,
2: it. See, I would, I would posit that it's the it's the fact that you think it's just another grapple, it's just another mm. way that I'm traversing this world, and it gets completely juxtaposed against mm. the fact that, hey, there's a massive enemy right in your face with well, wings we, and fangs yeah. right there. That It's that sheer juxtaposition. For me, it's that yeah. sheer juxtaposition that makes that work. But yeah, it has to borrow from film in yeah. terms of taking control away from you and mm. making it a passive experience. Yeah. Oh God, are we both right?
3: Uh, this is the <laughs> thing This is, <laughs> that is com- completely the thing I completely agree that games are horror games are terrifying and impressive and innovative <laughs> and experimental and wonderful things to uh-huh. play um, and I agree that film is very much the same and they're two different ways of experiencing horror the personal one that gets me more is film and the uh-huh. one that gets uh-huh. you more is, is games so uh-huh. yes I would say we are both right it definitely. depends on the
4: person because like mm. it or not for to, to experience a horror game it's effort you have to get in effort so if you're the type of person who um like my fiance who likes to just sort of sit and watch a film and Mm -hmm. take it in rather than you know actually having to play a game and Mm. move his
2: hands (laughs) yeah i guess that's that's always a thing in gaming yeah yeah. so
4: um there are going to be people who who agree with you more Mm. and who agree with scott more
3: what a horrible Um, world we live in good lord i think essentially on a gaming channel it's going to lean towards this as well because you're going to have a wider experience of games Mm. and that sort of thing i think my experience of um horror and life in general comes from films because I've just invested too much time. I think like
2: them. many things it's, it's a mix of the two and like the juxtaposition is inherently baked in letting you you have to put up with some things. If you were fully in control of every element that was on screen it wouldn't be scary. Yeah. Which is yeah. your fundamental thing with mm-hmm. why horror games get less and less scary the more that you learn how yeah. to master them. Um, so I think we're both kind of right. Um, do you have any examples you want to throw in of a, a moment that you found scary that wasn't supposed to be scary?
3: Um, I probably do have lots. I think the 300 one is my perfect okay. one. That works um, pretty well. I'm, I'm like Rachel. I'm scared of everything like, <laughs> honestly most games I've played there's been a moment where I'm like oh no thank you but I'm scared right now I'm gonna I'm gonna segue from this one Do it. just to bring up um, what I think is the perfect amalgamation of film and gaming in one which is the ultimate end goal of this conversation because it does everything right okay is it though it's Until Dawn yeah. that's good yeah.
2: that, that lets you have you have agency throughout the story but then yeah. you also have a very um, cinematically yes. focused yeah. game overall I adore Until yeah, Dawn I think solid. I had it at like number 3 or 4 in the overall PS4 ranking yeah. that thing very is very good very, on masterpiece. very
4: cheesy very it's good, full of yeah. cliches yeah. Very, oh my god! Very like, teen horror, what? but it
2: knows what it is. What, yes. what? even yeah. the
4: jump scares in that game? Like you go through a door and a witch comes out. And yeah, yeah, yeah that's like perfect. Why but is there a witch?
2: I, this the whole thing as well, where like you've got it. You have to hold the controller to not move in the mm. when oh, you're trying, trying to hide. oh nice. Scary. Yeah. Genius idea. Every time,
4: it's every time. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put the controller on the table yeah. and hold it because it vibrates and yeah. it moves. I Yeah, to Hold it still. My, my
3: I'm trying to hide.
4: My favorite part of that game, which actually undermines
3: a piece of my argument entirely, is when you literally play a saw film which uh, is when he's making the decision as to who you're going to kill or who you're going to cut or whatever um, Mm -hmm. with the rotary saw Mm -hmm. Um, because the thing with these sort of, the sort of films and torture porn films and horror is uh, what would you do in that situation yep. is, a, is definitely a question of that and how would you handle it and could you survive whereas Until Dawn posits that question of film, makes the film about it but also lets you see if you, if you could survive yeah. without making it too much of a And
2: I think regardless of what you do it plays into the overall story mm-hmm. anyway
4: Yeah um, it doesn't, yeah. My, my gripe about Until Dawn is it's brilliant but it doesn't have enough um, possibilities, mm. it's all very much the same, mm. the story will play out the exact same, it's just a matter of who survives at the End. Yeah. Uh, for example, True. there's a sequence with Mike who is going through an asylum. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you fail every single quick time event, mm. he still escapes. He's Aww. fine. Your dog yeah. dies. I think which by is the time. Because
2: the, like, the whole thing yeah. with Until Dawn is that the whole cast can't survive if you do it well or whatever. Well, but yes. they don't they still don't play into the, the actual main thrust of the narrative, which is mm. the stuff that happens with Mike and yeah, the, yeah. the Wendigos and everything. Mm. Spoilers. But
3: also um, the supernatural it is. There's I more to
2: it than
4: that.
3: One of the
2: coolest things in Until dawn. Though um, at some point we will wrap this podcast up. But one of the coolest things in Until Dawn is you have flash forwards to when you're uh, you're basically it's still in first person, but you're talking to Peter Stormare's oh, yes. character, yes. and he's basically not your not a flash forward. Well, that's the thing, and so you kind of have these cutaway scenes where you're doing these like uh, psychiatrist <laughs> conversations with this guy, and he's and he just asks you lots of questions, and it's it's very much in the vein of uh, Salon Hill. I think it was Downpour on the way. Like,
4: what are you more? Scared what are you scared of? of? Yeah. yeah, and then
2: then that, impl- that um, infiltrates different parts of the the game. Like there's one bit where he asks you what are you what are you more scared of, scared of, and it's like rats spiders something and if you say spiders then a spider appears like later on in the game just comes at you and it's like oh god so i was
3: like i'm not having a spider i'm gonna click rats yeah i was like i know what it's gonna do (laughs) it's gonna throw
2: one of these at me so i was like okay i'm gonna pick something that isn't actually terrifying um but yeah until dawn has got some great ideas in but they're a mix i
3: think the the I, i love until dawn so much because it is the film experience putting yourself in but it's an it's an authored narrative filmic experience that's tailored to you Mm -hmm. and that's what gaming tries to do and that's why some horror games hit and some horror games miss is because it's trying to appeal to a mass audience whilst also a single audience at the same time whereas Mm. Until Dawn says okay what are you scared of? What do you think about this? What do you want to do? Um, And appeal straight to your own horror centric Nature, I think that's and I think that's the way that I think that's the way horror gaming should go to uh, actually come out on top against film. For Mm -hmm, me, for mm -hmm. me personally,
2: I will run down um, just quickly some games that are coming out in 2019 because it seems like next. Because when I was googling uh, horrors for this year, there's not (laughs) that many. Um, And Call of Cthulhu and like just kind of like just small handful. And for 2019 though, we're opening up with the Resident Evil 2 remake. There's Days Gone. There's Last of Us 2. World War Z's games coming out. Dying Light 2 and Layers Layers of Fear 2. So Layers
4: of Fear 2, right? That last one. I didn't even know that was coming until yeah. we were obviously looking up for this podcast mm-hmm. and I'm like oh I was so hyped for that <laughs> game that is that is one of the scariest games I I've ever played I did not like Layers of Fear you didn't
3: like I did it? Not like, I did not find it scary I found it, found it trite I'm like, very much like,
4: like a cat who has just turned around and saw a <laughs> cucumber behind it if I if I, if I I see one thing turn around and I go back and there's a different thing mm. that Oh my goodness! To be the completely honest, if cool you
2: distill <laughs> horror down into one image, it is a cat freaking out with a cucumber. It's me. Yeah. So that is a, what yeah. it is. It's me yeah. with a
4: cucumber.
3: One hundred percent respect that it is. Again, that plays on the proper fear of the unknown because you don't yes. know what's coming, and that again. The whole point of horror, the whole point of fear, which are two separate things again, but also the same thing, is Mm -hmm. the unknown. If you want to be scared by something, you've got to not know what it is. If you want to experience horror, then it's got to play on unpredictability. So you
2: should go out there and find your own gherkins. Be the cat and find the gherkin. It's the crux of all good things. Go on.
4: Be the cat that we need... You
2: be the cat be, the change in the world
4: be the, be the gherkin in the but world
2: but also this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast let us know what you think <laughs> down in the comments below if you're on YouTube or find us on social media I've been your host Scott Taylor for joined by Ash
3: hello and goodbye and John by Rach <laughs>
4: thanks for watching
2: I'll Thank catch you me. next time bye
4: bye, bye.